All right, welcome back to The Hard Shoulder with me, Ivan Yates. And you will know, regular listeners, that we try and wind you into the weekend in the last hour between six and seven every Friday with a thing called the final furlong, which says on the tin it's kind of serious review of the week, but it's actually just to fill airspace. It's a great pleasure to welcome two newbies, two veritable virgins to this. Jim Elliott, the comedian, uh, is still with us. You know, our budget is Don't limited. Don't sound so excited. Our, 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 our budget is limited. Uh, Frank MacDonald, who is keeping me awake at night. We know him as the most PC, the most uh, pl- uh, planning objector on Tashka Blue Rinse Brigade, former <laughs> environment editor of the Irish Times, but he has written this memoir, a Dublin memoir, it's called Truly Frank. So when I get back from the TV, I just can't go asleep immediately. I read a chapter a, 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 a night and I'm up to the point where you're just finishing with the press, the Irish press. I've got through all your debauchery, all your religious upbringing, all your difficulties with your, with your nana and your different uh, family ones, which is a bit tiresome. But anyway, all the religious uh, thing that was bet into you. Uh, and then your time in New York and your time in Grimsby and all the different summer holidays you took. So I'm worn out after all that. Uh, go on. Yeah, I, no, you're enjoying it though, I, I am. In, well, you're keeping me interested but yeah. I, I have to condemn you from a height. It Why? is the most racy, sexually naughty book I've read in a long time. Really? And Serious? I expected better from the Irish Times, to be honest Ivan, with you. Ivan, I'm shocked. I mean, there's nothing salacious in the book at all. You know, it's oh. some of it is a little bit sordid, but not salacious. Frank, be there's quiet. We're trying to sell copies out here. <laughs> oh, it's rival. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, and Thanks it's a great for the plug, pleasure. though. It's Ivan, a great anyway. pleasure. No, I would recommend it. Uh, Truly Frank is the name of the book. Uh, and Claire, Claire McKenna, Virgin Media presenter. Great pleasure to have you also for the first time. What, what's exciting in your life? Um, I'm the other end of the spectrum. I've had an absolute whirlwind of work and travel. I was in New York to cheer on my best friend for the marathon. Okay. Um, and I've been doing earlies, uh, late. Uh, I'm most you... excited about a week off next uh, week. What, so for Ireland AM, what time do you set the alarm for? Because I've been that soldier on breakfast radio. Well, and I used to do Sunday AM, which was great because it started at nine. Is it four o'clock you said? 4.15, yeah. Oh That's my God. Cruel. 4.15. I think That's once I have... absolutely cruel. I have two children. I'm outside the other side. What of age that. are they? They're five and seven. But once you've had a baby oh live in your house, the whole clock changes. The right. clock is immaterial. It doesn't right. really matter. That's like the only reason I want to have kids because everybody I know that has kids has this superhuman ability to function, not perfectly, but adequately on like three hours of sleep in 20-minute chunks through the day. Yeah, it's, it's like military training that it you really get is. on how to do more mm. with less sleep. So yeah, I'm kind of I'm up for that. At what time of the day, after you've done your show, what time do you hit that wall of tiredness? I found it was around sort of midday, one o'clock. I can actually push through till about seven, half seven when the kids are gone Do to you bed. take a nap at any stage during the day? No. Because Claire Byrne always told me, golden rule, don't do that because then you won't sleep at night. <sighs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I disagree. I love naps. I think even a 20 minute yeah. would actually reset my batteries and yeah. do me quite well. But yeah. I, I, but you I can't do get two hours. into right. hiccups and other responsibilities and but I'm, do you I'm not going find again. Mark Cagney would put you to sleep, no? No, certainly <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to our first topic, which is that's my seat. A UK train user study showed that almost two thirds of users deliberately linger near seated passengers just before the train pulls into the station. Over a third of us um, 
39% used the tactic of kestreling, which is to hover over an apparently vacant seat to see if it's free. And, and it goes on. Um, you, of course, Frank, would be a public transport user, Absolutely. as I am. I get in the dark twice a day. Yes. It is like sardines. You simply it elbow yeah. everyone out of the way. Yeah. Now, I have a problem with my back that yes. I just can't sit. So mm. I'm actually hovering near the bar if mm. there was one on the Ross Lair train. But uh, would you would you uh, give up your seat for someone? Or would you expect someone to look at it and say, well, he's, well, I mean, he's I th- old. I, thought, and, I, I thought the most astonishing thing in that, in, in that report uh, was that... 56% of people in Britain would not ask somebody to get up off a seat that they themselves had reserved. You know, you book, is, say you book a seat on a train and you find somebody else sitting in it. Yeah. And, they, and they're too polite to ask that person well, to on, say... On Irish Rail, they actually have the little names up. They do, And yeah, you can see, right. it's, yeah, Frank, yeah, yeah. it's Frank yeah. MacDonald there. Yeah, but like, some, sometimes people don't turn up. Right. And the seat remains well, well, vacant. They, well, they also do a thing on the British trains. They push, because I used to get the mm. one from Swansea uh, to London, that someone gets on at Newport or yes, someone yes, gets yes. on at Cardiff. And, and, and you know yeah, them. That's true. Uh, and well, then I, I, you, I was, you wait for Cardiff and you see it's I was on the And train. then no one comes and you're delighted. I was on the train from Cork to Dublin uh, 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 last I'd uh, say you'd be in the quiet week, carriage Saturday. you know the one for the snobs yeah the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. quiet the quiet carriage well I didn't actually I, I, I didn't upgrade myself to first plus but I mean I, I am old enough now to get the free travel card so oh. that's a great encouragement I am for charging to use all, public Euro. transport Ah oh, no, I wouldn't. Oh, I know. No, it's, it's, outrageous. A, it's a principle of the thing. Charlie Hawhey would be rolling in his grave if you if anyone no, tried to do the, that. The, these crinkles are the taking up every he, seat on the place and paying people can't are get him standing. Ivan. I agree with that you. Get him. Just I mean, we're not crinklies. We're just living on our just desserts. <laughs> no, no, no. You're living <laughs> off the fat of the land. All right. Would you and I I actually because I get a particular uh, train uh, uh, in the evening time and it's really busy, a commuter train from Pier Station. And I can tell you, if anyone has their bag on a seat beside them, they would literally be ejected. You know, one dirty look and immediately, oh my God, you know what I mean? Uh, they move and they could be going the whole way to Ross Lair. A lot of people are only going as far as Dunleary or, or, or Bray or whatever. This, I was not, like if you have a res- reservation in Ireland, there is no standing on ceremony. Would you Would you not think we're, we're completely different about this? Yes, absolutely. Well, I have seen from social media that it's getting quite aggressive now on trains. Like I do think the Irish are different in that if you bang into somebody in the street, you're like, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. I mean, that doesn't happen in other countries. As I said, I'm just back from New York. This hustling, mm. bustling. Everyone's so busy. Everyone's rushing everywhere. Nobody's apologising. And we are a bit like that. And we do hold doors a little bit more and start chatting in queues and that kind of thing. And we say thanks to the bus driver. We do, we do. actually. Yes, do. Which is amazing. Oh, and I always I do that. that. I always do that, yeah. And I don't want and they to, grunt that to be gone. They don't even uh, grunt no, at you. Some of them are very appreciative. But right. I don't think we would have a problem saying, I'm sorry, I've reserved that seat. Yeah. No, we Up you guess. I no. certainly wouldn't. But I mean, like, and what do you do with your bag on that seat? Are your well, feet up on the others? Yeah. 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 yeah, no, it's yeah, absolutely. Uh, you don't take public transport, do you? I take the bus every day, and I take the I take Irish Rail probably twelve. And you have free travel pass too? Uh, no, <laughs> free travel pass. <laughs> In fact, I'd like I'd like you to re- get some reimbursement out of this one over here. But I get the bus out to to Galway or to Belfast maybe twelve times a year to work the Roisin Dove in Galway to work the Empire, two fabulous clubs uh, in Belfast, and I always reserve a seat. And I would say 70% of the time there's somebody sitting in my seat and I kick them out every How single do you do that? time. How do you do that though? I say, what hi, say? Yeah. Uh, that seat's reserved. And, you know, and let me tell you something else. And Speaking of crinklies, yeah. you, 90% of the time the person that's sitting in the seat is some old one. And the, here's what they do. <laughs> they pretend like they don't know the rules. 
It's yeah. a complete act. These people have been yeah. taking the trains the longer than I've been alive. They're looking at they just look up and they go, "Oh, what yeah. is yeah. this seat reserved?" I'm like, yeah. "Yeah, there's a there's a there's an LED right above your and head with my name on it." Oh, is that what that means? I didn't know that that's what that meant. <laughs> Get up, Grandma. Yeah. No, is this from your Washington years of training in terms of just being ugly, rude, and aggressive and abrasive? R- rude and aggressive and abrasive. I've reserved this seat. Society has rules. If you don't so want to follow the rules, in America, you can move to Connacht. I don't in care. America. In a well. I mean, you've both been in New York a bunch. They will shove you into traffic if you're walking too slow. D.C. is a little bit different. It's no, I don't think there's anywhere as aggressive in America as New York City. Uh, but D.C., absolutely. The, the, the difference there is, and the thing that I think about, think about transport between the U.S. and Ireland is jaywalking. Cars don't slow down in America. Like, you will not cross the street the way you'll cross the street in Dublin. Well, I must, I must thank you, Claire McKenna, because you suggested the next topic, which is a great story. Uh, let, me, let me just add. Edinburgh lottery winner Jane Park is reportedly willing to pay a hefty price for true love. She's offering one lucky man 60,000 sterling to date her. Euro uh, million, Millions winner Jane is from Edinburgh and she's making the cash offer and she's going to interview people and do it on a website. It's an annual allowance so you don't get all the money up front and in return they must wine and dine her. Um, so she's going to film the interview process a documentary set to air next year. Do you think this is the way to go? I, that's obviously why I chose it. This woman is my idol. Right. No, I just think this represents everything that's wrong right now. Wrong. She took her money at 17. She got all the usuals, the cosmetic surgery, the new teeth. Okay. And I'm actually quite impressed. I mean, we're talking what? She's 23 now, so we're talking six years later. She still has 60 grand to throw at some potential how much suitor. She, so she must have made a few wise a million. Much, she won a million. Okay. So she's actually made Which it last. not a lot. Not no, days, no. She's made it last quite a long time. Not if a lot when you work for the Irish Times, I suppose. Carry on. If she's still got money to spend on this. But it didn't work out, strangely enough, with an X Factor contestant. It didn't work out with a footballer. So now she's decided she's going to pick her own suitor. And it's the filming of it. It's the whole... What have you got against it? But she's, is there not humour written all over this? Like, she's not taking herself too seriously, number one, which I love. Secondly, she might get lucky because apparently she's had an X Factor finalist and she's had a Dundee footballer and they cheated on her and she's not happy about it. So she's obviously anti-man. Do you share that view as well? Does it not have a strange air of prostitution about it? I mean, if I we reverse the genders here, I think it, it would does be anyway. outrageous. I, I, I think it does. Oh, I mean, oh, sorry, it, it, the it, sermon it's, according no, to... No, 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 I'm not, okay. no, no, I'm not. I just, I, I mean, obviously the game plan here is to make a reality TV series. That's yeah. what it's really about. Okay. And um, so there's, there's she, she for the investment, if you like, of sixty grand per head, uh, she will, she will pr- probably make lots more money from doing the TV series. But it's, it's like, we were, I'm in favour of entrepreneurship like yeah, well, this. Fair, I mean, first of all, first of all, it's innovative. Yeah. Secondly, I would say, like when I was looking at this, I'm thinking. Terms and conditions here, darling, insofar as it's an annual allowance, in quotes, which means that you might have to have vouched expenses <laughs> and all of this thing, and that you probably only get so much up front and so on. Like, it could be a scam. Yeah, but, 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 Ivan, what if a bloke had done it? 
What if a bloke was offering 60 grand? See, this, this is what I... See, have you guys not thing, heard of the know, website so seekingarrangement.com? No. no. Tell us about You're it. You guys never heard We're on it in a flash. The, this is... Okay, this Seeking is... Seeking arrangement, all one word, lowercase, yeah, uh, dot what? Uh, dot com, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. But it's uh, it's it's the We're sugar in. daddy concept, and it's a dating website. Oh, yeah. And so you, you fill like in your, your dating profile, so it's, I'm from here, I like mm. these movies, I like these sports, I'm allergic to these foods, mm. blah, blah, blah. But the guys have to fill in an extra data field and that data field is numbers, and that number is the will- the amount of money you're willing to commit to spending every month on the girl you meet through this website. Ah. If a guy offered 60 grand for a woman to come mm. on a date, mm. people would say it's prostitution. Is that your point? I think that that's basically... Haven't you guys watched The Bachelor? That's a reality right. show in the States where it's one guy and it's 50 so women. We don't live in the States. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's huge. But and it's the, the same with Love it's Island. It's all thing. these people yeah. that yeah. know they're going to cash in. Yeah. Ultimately, are looking for love. This is a good this. move for her because she's going to pay sixty grand for the guy. She's only going to have to pay it once because there's no way they're staying together more than one year. And if the show is a hit, she'll turn herself into a media personality, a presenter. God knows you don't have to do much to get but a job as a presenter on the radio, right, Ivan? What has she got no, left? Career. Not even her no, dignity. No, what else no, is she no, doing? But is there not an element to the Bridget Jones about this that you know she can do this thing of all unlucky in love? You know the Mark Darcy thing on off and then I loved him and he didn't love me. I can see she, she this this is the way to go. There's just so much 60 more. 60 grand seems a lot. I'd say you do it for six. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> 60 grand. Cheap. 60 grand is what? Five grand, five grand a month? Is that what it was? Yes, it's absolutely. Not much, man. Absolutely. Uh, I loved the line in the story where it, it, it said, uh, Jane has a tendency to be insecure sometimes and worries about people's motives. She's willing to pay the right price for someone loyal. Somebody want to explain the concept of loyalty to this girl? Yeah, yes. and how she's <laughs> yes. going about she it all the wrong uh, way. But look, it's been happening for it. years. It would appear without <laughs> the price tag. Let's be honest. Oh, of course. Mm. There, there's there's transactional relationships out mm. there, and these people are dead inside. But it doesn't mean they're not people. No, right. Uh, well, um, well, is it not boy meets girl? This all, you know. No, it's in girl a very makes reality series. Kind of way. Right. In a very peculiar way. Uh, and, in a, and in a is, very disapproving about, way. About, well, like, in, yeah. it, it's to make a TV series and to and to sell it around the world, presumably, and make a, loads more money than she okay. even won on the lotto. Uh, it's, it's not only smutty, but there's filthy lucre involved That's as right. well. We are going to take a quick break to gather our thoughts. Stay with us as we'll be returning with more analysis. <laughs> That's what they call We'll be back in a moment. Well, welcome back to The Hard Shoulder, my final furlong panellist, as we wind our way through till seven o'clock, is Jim Elliott, comedian Frank MacDonald and Claire McKenna. Jim, um, are are you employed at the present time? Have you any gigs going on? I am gigging this weekend, Ivan. You can see me tonight and tomorrow night in the Laughter Lounge on Eden Quay. I know Eden Key. It's right in the heart, quite close to. I'm, I'm surprised we haven't knocked it down. Uh, but anyway, yeah, well, it was actually. <laughs> it used to be the Corinthian Cinema. Okay, and they that that was years and years ago, and that was demolished, and this building replaced it. And know. mercifully, they provided this entertainment in the basement. What night of the week good, are you performing there? Good show tonight, Friday night, and oh. uh, and Saturday night. And it's a great show. Daniel Bryan, John. Okay, and what time is it open? Like, is that a, a show starts at eight thirty? Yeah, so show okay. starts at eight thirty. You get the host doing fifteen minutes. And, and, open and, and, 15 and minutes. is it free to get in? It how is does it work? Not free <laughs> okay. to get in. I, okay. I'm sorry. I think tickets are somewhere around twenty quid. I okay. couldn't tell you. Well, if you've never been to the Laughter Lounge, it's you should great give, night it a, out. give it a give it a roll. Okay. Take a listen to this. Uh, dog owners, north side. Yeah, problematic. We would like the Fingal County Council to cease implementation of 
the new bylaws until we've had a chance to get everyone that uses the park to sit down together to come to some agreement that benefits everyone. I don't think that any park user wants to see parts of the parks cornered off, fenced in. That was from earlier in the week. We sent our own news talk uh, reporter, Aidan Aidan Finnegan, out to um, a row, a protest uh, outside Fingal Council in relation to a bylaw that they introduced in Fingal's public parks to confine dogs so that they had to be kept on a lead. These new bylaws were introduced in June and basically the dog owners... uh, who have a group, were up in arms objecting to it. Uh, Claire, uh, are you a dog lover? You look like a dog lover. I'm a bit more of a cat person if I had to choose. Uh, it's not an either or. I do like both. And as a kid, we always had a dog. And eventually I will get a dog for our own family because I do think they're a really important part of the unit. And I heard this piece actually in the morning okay. repeat at 5am yeah. on my drive out. Oh my God. And I did think that all these people that were there must be really responsible dog owners because they were up in arms. They were like, come on, we know when to put our dog back on the lead. You know, of course we won't let them run around if there's a whole load of kids. But it's those who aren't responsible and who do just let their dogs roam and run. And as you said yourself, to see a Rottweiler bounding its way towards you is a really frightening thing. So, so I, are you in favour of restrictions of putting them on the lead or letting them roam free? Only if they have adequate designated areas. I mean, I did hear a couple of the people say that there wasn't an area right. or that there was in very parks, small areas. Do, yeah, yeah. So if there is somewhere where they can take them, I mean, there's a park local to me in Dublin and there is a, a dog area. And they can all run around and people can all share their doggy stories and whatever else goes on there. So on balance, you, you, you're you like, you're sounding like a politician to me, six of one, half dozen of the other. I'm yeah. always told I'm a fence sitter. I, I do try and see both sides, but I do think that if there have been complaints. What about putting the dogs down on site if they're guilty? I mean, like, are we, is this not really the firm smack of law and order? There you, you know? go. Singapore now, style. <laughs> I, I, you do hear from... I'm trying dog, to get you off the fence here. No, well, you do hear from dog behaviourists that a tired dog is a happy dog and if a dog isn't getting exercised adequately then you're going to have further problems. So, you know, there is that that needs to be taken into consideration. So, only if there is an adequate place for them to actually have a run I would be in favour of this. Sorry to Of restrictions, right. Well, Ivan, I just think it smacks of all that health and safety nonsense that goes on nowadays. Uh, where there's all these rules and regulations okay. and you can't do this and you can't Sorry. do that. We're going to record this. He is against the nanny state. I the am. First I, er- no, no, I am. No, I, you, you I am. Lousy, lousy environmental application laws. And restriction. That planning is a different matter. Oh, oh, those are the good what, kind of laws. Yes, I get it. It's a view of every <laughs> Georgian piece of... No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that if, you, if you're planning to build something, obviously you need permission to do that. But all this other stuff about restraining people from doing this and restraining people from doing that, on the basis that the local authority could leave itself open to being sued for compensation if somebody got injured. And I think that that's what probably lies behind this. That Surely the dog if, owner if the do- be sued. Well, the, the dog owner could be sued, but the council is probably doing this because it has fear of being sued for compensation if somebody was bitten by a dog yeah. in a public park. So you're, you're not in favour? No, not at all, because... Um, well, I mean, obviously, in relation to pit bull terriers and Rottweilers and, and perhaps uh, some breeds of Alsatian, you would have muzzles on them anyway. But, you know, we had a Cairn Terrier who represented no threat to anybody. And one of the great joys no. was the no. Phoenix Park. No. The no. Phoenix no. Park, 1,760 acres of park there. 
And the idea that people would have to walk around, say, the Phoenix Park, which is admittedly Office of Public Works rather than Fingal County Council, uh, and keep their dogs on leashes is just nonsensical. Well, even decide the fact that we should develop tens of thousands of houses in the Phoenix Park, which is a scandal in this day and age, given our housing problem. I I have to put it to you. You say, oh, my little Cairn Terrier wouldn't touch anyone and others. That is very much in the eye of the beholder. I walk on Curraclow Beach and people think, oh, they're Red Setter or they're not just an Alsatian. And it comes bounding up to you, going full pelt. And they think this is hilarious that they've thrown a ball either side of you or whatever. I am afraid of the dog. And, you're much and bigger than the dog. No, no, no. Sometimes the dogs actually snarl and so on, or if there's two dogs together. And I am entitled to walk uh, in my own space. No I'm that. not causing them grief. Mm. Why should, if the dog was often, on the lead and had a muzzle, there'd be no problem. How often would that have happened to you now? It has happened. There's been one desperate incident. There was a woman in the water with two kids, and her dogs actually went berserk. Around. I was just minding my own. But well, the dog, they went abs- one start and the other, and they actually bared their teeth and everything. And she said, Oh, I'm so sorry. And, and I she just, was in the water with her yes, kids. Yes, she was. And the and dogs were on the beach. Yes, absolutely. Well, that and was totally I was irresponsible. I was furious. I was furious about it. Totally irresponsible. Uh, Jim. In parks, I, beach, I actually think it's okay for dogs to run around, especially on the Curricle Strand, especially because the beaches here are so cold, it's not like it's packed. Like Miami Beach, that's a different story. <laughs> parks, no, keep your stupid dog on a stupid leash. People before animals. And I like dogs. I like Good them very say. much. People before animals. People before animals. Uh, and, and look, if there's no I dog. Put that on my election if there's no, material. If there's not enough <laughs> dog park space available, then that's what you should be protesting. Go down to your county council and say, look, we're going to help raise half the funds. We're going to we're gonna section off a cordon of this area here that'll be just for the dogs and then both people are happy for the fence but sitters you can among get, us. You know, but in the meantime... Leads, you know what I mean? That they can run a little bit, yeah, but they're still under perfect. control. They're still under control. Absolutely. Right. And I also think that any damage a dog causes to property or people, the law should be okay. they hold the owner personally so accountable as if they did one, Frank, but Sorry, by three votes to one... Uh, we're going to have the strictest bylaws on dogs Let's ever do it. saw. All right. And as for the Phoenix Park, so Tough much wasted dogs. space uh, uh, there. What are they going to do with There's the a deer? whole other program in that. Okay, take a listen. We're going to be working with businesses the length and breadth of the country to develop food trails and programs and activate a lot of, lot of, lot of great activity that's already going on there to improve our food reputation. Ireland's food offering has got much better in the last number of years. Um, and however, our international reputation for it still lags a little bit behind how high quality our, our actual offering is. Let me explain. That was the boss of Fulch Ireland talking about their tourism promotion for next year with Brexit and Vash going up. They want to develop the shoulder season. And in September 2019, to extend the summer season and holiday season, they're going to have a month-long celebration of Irish food. And... Uh, Basically, I was wondering, was that a bit of beef stew and mashed potatoes or fish and chips or what was it? Which got me thinking, Jim, Hmm. what do you consider Irish authentic cuisine to be? I mean, these days there's lots of nice restaurants because we're a multinational city now. And Cork and Galway is the same thing. But if you think about what Irish food was, 
Irish spent a lot of time being a poor country. And so Irish food was making the most delicious stuff you could out of really not the best stuff. So you got stews, you got your coddle. Bacon just, and cabbage. Exactly. It's poverty <clears throat> food. And that's <clears throat> the same with, with areas of the deep south in America where people go, oh, soul food. It's incredible. You've never had anything like it. Where did Ritz. they learn to make that? They learned to make it because it was the garbage of the food that they could get and they had to learn to make it palatable. So it's it's a it's a regional it's a re- regional thing, but to consider that we're going to change the impression of Irish food with a couple of with a couple of festivals or a food trail, I, I don't know, man. Do you would you guys go on a tourist trail See, dedicated to muscle? Yeah, no, 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 I absolutely no, would. Oh, we did actually feature Jesus, on this excitement of, 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 of tasting evenings and me? wine tasting and Ballymaloo mm. and and different kind of almost cooking and uh, uh, tasting uh, things and Boring. nights. It's very popular. But if I go to a city, I want to know where the, the nice places lounge, to eat. Right. I yeah, don't yeah. want to get into the tourist trap. I don't want to pay hand over fist for something that isn't good quality. And I think they're right. I don't think Ireland is known for its incredible of seafood. Like if, if you go anywhere, and I find it if I go to Spain, and look, I've had great holidays there, great times, great meals. But the run-of-the-mill food, I often think, isn't up to the standards of Ireland. You know, if you're just looking for lunch and a sandwich, that kind of thing, you go into a place here in Ireland, you get a big bowl of hearty soup, fresh brown bread. We've got so much fresh, You guys do the produce. staples better than anybody. The bread, the butter, the, the milk. salads. Nobody can mess with it. But it's tough to it's tough to build a tourism no, around we've got the yeah, best butter on planet Earth. No, hold, hold on. I just want to pursue this. I mean, like... What 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 is Irish cuisine, Claire? I mean, like, what to you is Irish cuisine? Like, I mean, you haven't mentioned Clonakilty black puddings. You haven't mentioned something that's really uniquely Irish and tasty. Tato crisps, for God's sake. Well, Those I are mean, the worst crisps that. on the planet. I'm sick of okay. everybody talking about Tato. I think it's the seafood. I think you really, we're an the island, chowder. we're surrounded some by of the waters. The chowders are fantastic. It's- I love them. The mussels, the chips, the pints of Guinness, like that's the kind now of authentic Irish food. Three I'm pints thinking. of Guinness and a bottle of red wine all in the one sitting is yeah, a perfect thing, start but, but, to the but, but, but What really surprised me about and this... And I don't know if it's Irish at all. But what what really it. surprised me about this was that, that, yes. that the head of Fulcher, or Aaron, yeah. could come out with a statement like that saying that Irish food, the image of it needs to be improved or whatever. For goodness sake. Well, I think I mean, they're how, trying to showcase it, now, okay, in fairness. Fine, like the whole fine, events you know, and so I mean, on. I don't, I don't, people anybody, from Birmingham in on that Anybody basis. who comes here as a tourist with, for the first time will be surprised and delighted by the by the food offer that's Let's that's, just get pizza available. and chips. And that is, that is the case, has been the case since, since Myrtle Allen, uh, almost single-handedly at first, changed the cuisine of Ireland did in she? In terms of what restaurants and hotels were offering. I think she did. What was it because, before? But, because, well, be, I think the, the fundamental thing that Myrtle Allen did was she said, let us base it all on locally sourced okay. good ingredients. Natural produce. Natural produce okay. from the farm, from the sea and yep. from wherever. Yep. And that is the key to the success of Irish Irish cooking now. I and think. one of the most watched uh, series on Netflix is The Chef's Table, where basically, yeah. I mean, a lot of them are Michelin star chefs, mm. but they talk about their, their roots and where they came from, and they're not all Michelin star. And people go to these places based on what they've seen mm. to eat this food. So mm. I think people to kind of food now. focus that way but, on Ireland but, is a really uh, good uh, idea. But if you go to the classiest place in Ireland that you'll be familiar with, Temple Bar, what sort <laughs> of cuisine can you expect? Well, I, I wouldn't eat in most of the restaurants. Oh, Temple be Bar, beneath, to be honest, of course. Because, yeah. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. I live in the area. I live in the area. But I wouldn't eat in most of the restaurants because I recognise that the, some of, many of those restaurants are really just catering for tourists and that they don't really 
depend on repeat business, you know, so that somebody comes in, has a Stag meal, they go out, and then the next thing, yeah. they're off somewhere else. Never see them again. So I never see them chips. again. So it doesn't really matter that much. Okay. Uh, but there are some restaurants in Temple Bar that I would patronise because they, they value their reputations and they go the extra mile and they the food that they produce is fantastic. The stuff that they that you get there. And I'll mention, for example, Il Vicoletto in Crow Street, which is Sounds very packed. Italian. It is Italian. <laughs> it is Italian. But I mean, this is, as Jim said, we're now a multinational, oh, right. multicultural, cosmopolitan hmm. city. Okay, let's go to our next topic. Would you tell your co-workers how much money you make? Um, so, apparently in this article, which which Jim brought to our attention in the New York Times about telling your co-workers your salary, your income. Uh, along with our weight, our age, our salary is a number to which we've assigned uh, almost incomparable value, according to this. So, so Jim, what what what's the point here? Do you think this is it's we okay? We should talk about how much money we make, especially amongst our coworkers, because there's all this talk. We should. Now. Yes, we should. Because the fact of the matter is, I don't know if it's social conditioning or 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 niceties or what it is that people feel like they shouldn't talk about how much money they make. People don't like talking about money in public. That's rude. That's gauche. You don't want to be seen to be bragging or at least saying poor me, any of that. But the point of that is, when you keep it secret, when all when when you're working in a row of six analysts and you're all doing the same data entry job or whatever and none of you talk about how much money you make the only person that benefits is the employer it's easy for the, well, the, the capitalist are you saying your employer will pay you more no, the, will pay you more if everybody knows what everyone the, else is the getting employer sure, the employer will pay, is the pay you exactly as little as they think they can get away with they're in the business of making money they're not in the business of making people happy just look at the name of the department it's human resources I'm a resource like electricity or water to be used by this corporation and we all are and we all need to recognize that we need to tell each other what we're making and we need to encourage each other to go for raises more often in fact matters people so, are scared so to ask the lounge, raises the lounge, you sit down with all the other comedians and say this is much out this is a huge problem in the comedy community because no i talk about it but i'm like one of the few guys that will because at the end of the night the the promoter comes over and i never understand this laugh lounge they do they do direct deposit because they're an actual business but every other little comedy club i do little bars they come over and it's always tucked in the palm of the hand of the host and they handshake oh, it to you. It? Like, why are we doing Albert why, why are we doing this? <laughs> like it's drugs. Like yeah. it's I I performed a service here. I, I asked you how much yeah. time you wanted and I did my time and now and nobody wants no, to talk no, about how much no, they're getting paid. No, no, and by no, virtue no. of that it allows less scrupulous no. club owners so, to pay certain people well, sorry, way the less people than other people. You should know about this transaction late at night in the uh, dark corner the revenue, the revenue, the revenue yes. people. Absolutely. Mm. That's why I put it on my pay away. Mm. And I do think about this a lot because right. of the gender pay gap. Being yep. a woman and okay. the downtrodden. Okay. I this do, is your perspective on it. I do ponder sometimes as to why it's it's there. And I did hear a report this week that a lot of companies don't even realise until they actually... So would you ask actually, Mark Cagney, how much are you getting for this cake? No, no I wouldn't. I wouldn't because no, I. I think whatever he has walked in and negotiated at his time... And you're self-employed in that context. Is up to See, is, this is, is tough up to for the him. self-employed here. This and is a tough... I don't. I think sometimes, and this is a very sweeping generalization. But seeing as I was a fence sitter, I may as well be a, a, no. a, a go on, sweeper go on, as well. Get him. Yeah. I think sometimes women don't have the same confidence when they go into an interview. I don't think that's to, I think, That's absolutely true. I think men can come out and go, "This is my fee. This is what I want. Take it or leave it." Whereas I think we can be a bit like, 
Oh, thank you for your time and sorry for if bothering that's okay you. With you. And is that all right Too with polite. you? Yeah, I, I, I do think that there is, and I never hope it's Claire changing. <laughs> 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 and look how well she's doing. Uh, She'll yeah, be well, pissed if she ever the show. I was very fortunate in a way. I never worked in any for any organisation, uh, whether it was the Irish Press or the Irish Times that didn't have a union representing the See, staff. See, there you go. That's the goal. Yeah. And that is, that is no, the big difference. It comes across in the book and, that you're a complete lefty. You're unionised. You're right up there with but that. But that was important for the staff. So everybody knew what the basic salaries were in the place. I think what happens is that when certain people get that level of salary, they become completely brass-necked about it. You mm. know? They just said, no, that is a culture of entitlement. And that is something that... Uh, well, well, so everybody, people should know as well, much as I, possible I, about what people I, are being I, paid. I, I'll go as far as to say this, right? That that I do a lot of work for different people, but I now will not do any public sector work because I just don't want anyone to know what I earn. And I feel worse because I've lived in the public sector as a TD, as a minister, as a pensioner, where every penny is not only known, but is regularly published. And I actually feel at my stage of life, well... Actually, I put a value on that. And so, therefore, the great thing about it is the people I work for all say, no, Ivan, you know, the first thing that's written on any but non-contract Ivan, is it's confidential because Ivan, they want to keep it confidential. Ivan, all, of the RT, all of the RT, all of the RT, every year, all of the RT stars, you know, Ryan Tubridy, I think it's Marian, a yeah, Marian, yeah. Well, it's public money. It is licensing so money so there. I get are, that. And all, all published. And do you think they like that? No, I'm sure they <laughs> hate it. But I'm just saying, should the same not apply to news talking today? I think? But you see, it's a private company. That's the difference. Yeah, but even That's so. the difference. No, sorry. No, there's 170 million collected mm. in licence fee. Mm. And there is some actual accountability mm. aspect to it. But the, 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 I would say... But people would be very interested. Oh, I'm interested right now. There's, 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 there's a difference. How there's a difference between public interest. We've got him under pressure. Public interest. It's not public interest. It's and Jim's the, interest. Jim wants to know how much Ivan's interest. interest. But it is, it, I think it would. My be interest in, I think is it would the national. Be, would you say, is for example, though. Matt Cooper just just yeah. said, "Look, this is not working out for me. I'm going yeah. to leave." And somebody else was coming in. They rang you and said, "Look, what should I negotiate here? Would you be willing to help them based on what you're getting for the Tonight Show? Would you give them some advice?" Oh, I, I would. I would. But put it like this. All I can say at this stage, bef- uh, before I wrap this up very rapidly, uh, is that, that, that I have a very clear view of the national interest, the public interest, and it's what suits Ivan. All right. My <laughs> thanks to comedian uh, Jim Elliott. Frank uh, MacDonald, who is plugging the backside of Truly Frank, a book I would recommend. And Claire McKenna, who is off next week, but will be resuming on Virgin Media at the early hours of starting at 7 a.m. on Ireland AM. Thank you all for being my guest today. It's been great fun and uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon.